The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theinnseattle.org. We invite you to join us each Tuesday at 9 p.m. on the corner of 16th and 47th in Seattle's U District. This first week, we get to talk about Abraham and Sarah, or Abram and Sarai, and Katie Bredwick and Emily Bunch were the first two student interns that got to engage with some characters. And so I'm going to invite Katie up to kind of get the ball rolling, and then we're going to watch a little video, and then she'll talk some more, and then I'll come up. It's going to be great. Love you guys. Katie Bredwick. Hi, everyone. Um, So yeah, like you said, um, Emily and I were put with Abraham and Sarah, and we kind of wanted to like share with you guys a unique way to kind of look at their story. Um, So we were kind of sitting down and talking through their story, and it was suggested to kind of um, journal through their eyes of um, how they were feeling as they're going through um, different parts in their story. And journaling for Emily and I is a way that we um, talk to God and also just write about our days and stuff. So we thought that would be a really practical way to um, look at the story of Abraham and Sarah. So tonight you're going to see, I'm going to read a little bit of background on their story, and then you're going to see some of our thoughts on what we think they're thinking. Um, So my voice will be the voice of Abraham's thoughts, and Emily's voice will be the voice of Sarah's thoughts. Um, so hopefully you can follow that okay. But um, yeah, so the book of Genesis introduces us to Abraham and Sarah, um, who are characters of the Bible who are usually looked up to as strong and faithful followers of God. Um, but sometimes we don't always hear about how they're kind of weak and they have struggles and uh, temptations um, like we experience today. And so um, despite all of this stuff and their imperfections, God never failed to hold up his end of the bargain. And he was really writing a bigger story that couldn't be ruined by humanity's sinful nature that we all have. So the story of Abram and Sarai, later known as Abraham and Sarah, begins when God promises to make Abram into a great nation. In Genesis 12:1 through 3, the Lord tells Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all people on earth will be blessed through you. This promise requires Abram and Sarah to get up and move from everything they've known. Um, They arrive in Egypt, and they run into their first bout of trouble And Abram is really fearing for his safety, so in doing that, he um, kind of forgets about God and forgets to trust in God, that God's going to protect him, and he turns to self-protection mode, and um, in in this case, it means lying. So, check out the video. Well, we had to leave because of the famine, so now we're in Egypt. But God... What are we going to do? I've got to protect myself from these Egyptians. Their jealousy for Sarai is going to be the end of me. I talked to Sarai and told her that she is to call me her brother. If they know that we're married, they will have me killed because she is so beautiful. I can't be killed because you have this plan for me. So I did what I had to do to protect myself. God, what the heck are we supposed to do? What are we doing in Egypt? 
Abram wants me to lie and say that I'm his sister so that he doesn't get killed. I have been faithful to him, and I've trusted the call that he's been given. I even followed him to this land and stuck by his side, but now he's telling me to call him my brother? What the heck? I'm so scared to lose him, I wouldn't know what to do without him. And he's right, I don't see another way to protect him except to lie. But what does that mean for me? I know that I need to protect Abram, but how can he ask this of me? I'm angry that he would choose to put all of this weight on me, because if I lie, he might be safe, but I'm afraid that I won't be. I just don't see another way out. God, please don't let me lose Abram. I'm being treated so well, being taken care of, and so is Sarai. But do we stay here? I know that I've asked for this, for us to be safe and for Pharaoh to believe us. But now Pharaoh has Sarai. Maybe it's good because I've stayed safe and we've accumulated things we wouldn't have otherwise had. So now we can continue to fulfill your plan for us. But how do we get out of this? I don't want to face Pharaoh's anger and wrath if he finds out that we lied, but I've lost Sarai. I'm not sure how you will keep your promises now that my wife is with a different man. Maybe we shouldn't have lied, but now we're stuck in this mess. I've let Sarah go and I miss her. I lied to Pharaoh and now I'm stuck with it. I don't know what to do or how to go on. We're safe, but this isn't what I want. I just don't see the way out, God. Help me. Lord, I don't know what I'm doing here. How can I keep lying to Pharaoh about my relation to Abram? I feel guilty and dirty and used. I don't know how long I can do this. I do want him to be safe, so I will do what I have to do. But this sucks. I don't know what's going to happen. But I'll trust my husband, and I'll trust this journey we're on. I'm scared, God, because if Pharaoh finds out that we lied, I don't know what he would do. He might just kill us both. So how long do we remain? Is this really your plan for us? To live a lie for the rest of our lives? Me with Pharaoh and Abram on his own? I don't see a way out of this. I wish that we hadn't lied. I wish that we had never come to Egypt. God, I didn't know that this would be so hard. I thought Abram and I would be journeying together. Please protect him and protect me and bring us back together again soon. I just want to be with Abram. Pharaoh and everyone in the palace has been hit with sickness and Sarah has been living there. Pharaoh blames Sarah's presence for all of it because somehow he figured out Sarah is my wife. Now he has ordered us to take our stuff and get out. I'm so confused. I didn't think Pharaoh would know and I was not expecting to leave Egypt this soon. I'm just thankful I wasn't killed. What's in store? So Abram chose to live a lie about his relationship with Sarai to protect himself, but God ultimately redirected their plans um, to line up with his. It's after this that God speaks to Abram again. He makes a covenant with Abram in Genesis 15:5 when he says, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said, So shall your offspring be. God also says that he will give Abram the land of Canaan for his descendants. Now this seems pretty crazy considering that Abram and Sarai are pretty old and Sarai has been barren her whole life. But God promises, and so Abram believes, and it says that his believing was counted to him as righteousness. But remember how he said Abram and Sarai were human? Well, it doesn't take long for them to doubt God and try to figure out their own plans for how to get a child. Lord, I can see Abram wondering and doubting about your promises, and it's all because of me, because I can't bear children. I'm holding him back and keeping him from receiving your blessing. I'm just not enough for what Abram needs right now. But God, I can't be at fault for holding him back. The guilt is too much. This is the one thing that a wife's supposed to be able to do, and I can't. And now I'm too old anyway. Why have you left me in this? 
You promise these things to Abram, and yet you leave me barren. Can't you just fix me already? I just don't understand, God. You promised. Maybe it's just not supposed to be me. Maybe Abram needs to find someone else to have a child with so that these promises can be true. Maybe I should just let my husband have a child with my maid. God, is this how you want me to have a son? Through Sarai's servant, Hagar? I don't know how else your promises can be kept. Are we doing something wrong? You keep promising a great nation, but that isn't even possible if I don't have a son. I guess Sarai might be right, God. She is still barren, and we are both so old. If Sarah really wants me to try this, I guess I will. Hagar is pregnant, and I have this awful feeling in the pit of my stomach. I'm ashamed and embarrassed that I couldn't bear a child. And now, Hagar despises me and disrespects me for making her do this. And I can't believe that Abram actually slept with her. How could he do this? He is responsible for my suffering. Not only do I feel cheated and disrespected by Hagar, but even more so by my husband. I hate this. God, what was I thinking? I know this was my idea, but I'm jealous and angry and confused. This feels so wrong. What did I just do? I can't even look at Sarai anymore, or Hagar for that matter. This was what Sarai wanted. I thought this would connect our family, but it's tearing us apart. What am I supposed to do now? It was so easy for Hagar. She became pregnant so quickly, and now she's given birth to Ishmael. In some ways, I guess I'm glad Abram's offspring will continue. But I can't help being frustrated that this was the way we had to go about things. Why couldn't that have been me? Why haven't you blessed me in this way? God, do you not love me as you love these other women? Or did I do something wrong? Am I really supposed to raise another woman's child as my own? God, I'm trying to fulfill your promise, but it seems like this is all happening the wrong way. So, as you can probably guess, that wasn't God's plan at all. Even though they chose to go their own way, God chose to remain faithful to his promise. In chapter 17, verses 1 through 10, he makes what is known as the covenant of circumcision. And it says, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Then God said to Abraham, As for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you. The covenant you are to keep, every male among you shall be circumcised. It's here that God tells Abraham that the son he had with his servant Hagar isn't what God promised. Abraham didn't need to go and do things his own way because God was promising to give him and Sarai a son. God renamed Sarai too, calling her Sarah instead. And even though Abraham first laughs at the idea of two old people in their 90s having kids, having a kid, he decides to believe what God says. God shows up later to Abraham and Sarah at their tent so that Sarah can hear this plan too. And just like Abraham, she laughs at the thought of having a child in her age. But God is insistent that this is his plan. Now Abraham and Sarah still haven't had a kid, and they're only getting older. They journey to a place called Gerar. And you won't believe it, but they decided to lie again to try to protect Abraham. 
kidding me, God? A second time? We moved to this new city of Gerard, and Abraham makes me tell him I'm his sister again? I am so fed up with him. This is not how you're supposed to treat your wife. Abimelech, king of Gerard, has sent for me, but I don't want to be with another man. Abraham knows this makes me feel used and dirty, so why is he putting me through this again? I hate that we have to lie for our safety. Who's going to protect us if we don't? I want to trust you, God, but I just don't know how to right now. I'm scared for both of our lives. Please just help us get through this. Abimelech just came to me and asked why I called Sarah my sister, and I didn't know what else to do, so I just told him the truth, that I was trying to protect myself. He brought back Sarah to me, and she said that Abimelech didn't even touch her. And for some reason, I have no idea why, Abimelech also brought sheep and cattle and slaves and silver to me. Katie Emily, that was awesome. I love that y'all engaged with this um, with this opportunity to look at Abraham and Sarah or Abram and Sarai's story. Uh, how does it end? They we just left um, Abram and Sarah. They just left Abimelech. Um, how does their story kind of conclude? <laughs> wow. Um, so it turns out God had His plan all along, and they have a son named Isaac, and so God was faithful to complete this promise that seems so crazy, even though um, Abraham and Sarah chose a lot of actions that were trying to like make it happen themselves. Um, but despite all of that, God was still really faithful, and He fulfilled His plan and His promise in His timing, um, even though they didn't necessarily trust in that all the time. What was this process kind of like for you two? Um, looking at things from the perspective of Abram and Sarai. Uh, take, take us through that that process a little bit. I guess for me, it was a really cool way for me to engage with the story um, in a way that I haven't before. Because um, I guess I always hear, you know, the normal story of Abram and Sarai. And that's like with the sacrifice of Isaac or that. Abram was a really faithful guy, um, but to actually go through each process of their journey and really like think about what they were thinking about in the story was really an interesting way for me to learn about it. And I sometimes have a hard time like reading the Bible and really like getting anything out of it. So this way I could really understand and get into the characters and actually like know kind of what they were thinking through the process. Yeah, I think kind of the same thing, um, reading through the Bible, and especially I think with the Old Testament, we read through it and get used to the stories, and so they seem like, I don't know, I think we sometimes kind of write them off as like, oh, well, it's in the Bible, and so it's it just is what it is. But looking at it this way was really helpful for me, um, just to understand the humanness of Abraham and Sarah, and just... Um, I don't know, I think, like, understand the story a little bit deeper and understand how much I think the processes that they go through and the thoughts that they go through are so similar to things that I feel and things um, that we, as humans nowadays, still feel and still go through. And I think that really helps me understand um, just that the God of the Old Testament is the same God that we still experience today because you look at the way he interacts with them and that's the same way he interacts with us now. Um, and I think it's easy to lose track of that when we look at the Old Testament because it seems so out of context. But I guess looking at it in this way, like journaling through feelings and really trying to understand their feelings and their thoughts through, through the process um, just made it seem so much more real to me 
Um, and it just made me realize how similar we still are. I think we're all human and Abraham and Sarah were human. And so we have these similar experiences and there's, I don't know, it's a good way to understand some things about God. And like, if he treated them this way and was faithful to them, to them that way, that he is the same way with me. And that's really beautiful to see, to think about like processing my own story and processing things that we go through. Cool. Thanks, guys. This is awesome. Good job. Thanks. All right. Application time. It'll be fun. Uh, So basically, we follow the story of Abram and Sarai, now known as Abraham and Sarah. And God makes them this promise. He says, I'm going to make you um, the father and mother of many nations. They don't have a kid for a really long time. They lie a couple times. Um, so what? what's the point of this all? I want to start by saying that this is a real story about our real God interacting with real human beings. And specifically a real man and a real woman, Abraham and Sarah. And I think Emily hit the nail on the head when she said a lot of times when we read through these stories in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, it's really easy to lose track of the sight that, of the fact that these are very real stories. That it's real people with real emotions that went through real things. And I love the fact that Emily and Katie engaged in this in a way that brought those feelings and those emotions to life. Um, I want to encourage you to check out your Bible for yourselves and look at these stories and interact with them and put yourself in the shoes of those characters and think, what in the world is going on here? Uh, and look at the way that God interacts with them and get to know who God is in those stories. Um, and you're going to have to read a lot of the Bible. It's a big book. And it, the whole thing is a love letter and a revelation of who God is. It reveals who God is to us. And I hope that throughout this series, you'll be encouraged to take a look at uh, some of these stories in a deeper way. If you don't get anything else out of this, that's my hope. So... This is a story full of realness and human honesty. Abraham kind of sucked. It's funny, Carl was like, Abraham's the perfect dude a couple weeks ago. Uh, But he made his wife lie and say that she was his sister. And then she ended up having to sleep with multiple dudes to fulfill that lie. And that kind of sucks. Not kind of, it really sucks. It's not good. Um, He didn't do it once. He did it twice. He took matters into his own hands. He didn't trust God. Um, he was stubborn, and he was really susceptible to listen to advice that wasn't the best. Sarah uh, had it pretty tough as well. Um, she was not in a good place. I mean, obviously, Abraham made her lie about things, but she was also jealous and sometimes controlling and laughed at God as well. Um, and I say all this because isn't that just us? <laughs> Do we not laugh at God sometimes and think, no, 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 that promise isn't for me? Do we not take matters into our own hands and lie and cheat and steal? Do we not do these things and abuse the fact that God is for us, that he chose us? I know I do. Um, and that's the beauty of this story. You see these real human beings interacting in very real and very human ways, and we get to know the God that they know uh, in a very real way. It's funny, the Bible in Hebrews calls Abraham the father of faith. Um, But we kind of saw him not be very faithful throughout this story. So what is the point? How is Abraham the father of faith? How does he get such a great title? 
The reason he is the father of faith, the reason Abraham and Sarah are the father of many nations is a very simple one. It's not because anything they did. It's because they were chosen by God. It's that simple. God chose them. That first map you saw was of Ur. It was um, an ancient city, uh, and they were just, there you go, they were just random people of, in Ur. And God was like, you two, I'm going to choose you. <laughs> it's like a Pokeball, I choose you. Um, it's exactly like that. <laughs> it's not, it's not like that at all. Um, and... Uh, when God chooses them, he sets up this thing called a covenant. And I want you to, this, co- this word covenant is a word that I feel like gets thrown out sometimes in religious circles. Uh, it's kind of like a contract, but it's not. Here's the difference. A contract says that we will agree on terms. I say I will do this. You say you will do that. If you don't live into your end of the bargain, then I don't have to live into mine. That's what a contract says, okay? You tracking? This is what a covenant says. A covenant says, these are the terms. I do this, you do that. But if you don't live into your end of the bargain, I will continue to live into mine and vice versa. That's a covenant. Does that make sense? See the difference there? God creates a covenant with Abraham and Sarah. God says, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to do this for you. You do this for me. And even if you don't do this, I'm still going to do my end of the bargain. God shows Abraham and Sarah he created a covenant with them. He gave them this gift. The reality is they probably did more to, to lose favor with God rather than to earn the choice of them. So it was just this crazy instance that God said, I choose you. I'm about you and I'm for you. Now, what's that have to do with us today? There's a sweet verse in Romans 3, 23 and 24. It says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is Christ Jesus. Just like God chose Abraham and Sarah, God's chosen us. Jesus is God's proclamation of his covenant with us. Jesus is God's gift. Just as Abraham and Sarah were given the gift of being the father and mother of many nations, we have been given the gift of life in Jesus Christ. A gift we did not deserve. One that we've fallen short of. See, that's the beauty of a gift. A gift is something that's given, not necessarily something that's earned. It's not a paycheck. Um, I've been given a lot of gifts in my life. Uh, the gift of life actually is one in particular. My parents, I come from a multiracial background. My dad is black, my mom is white. When they were getting married, everyone told them not to get married, but they did it anyways. It was, uh, it was the 70s, it was not a time that that happened. And they did it anyways. Uh, I was born in my parents' older age. My mom was in her 40s and in the 80s, um, they told my parents that if they went through with the pregnancy, um, most likely uh, the baby would die, I would die, and my mom would die. Or if I survived, I would have um, uh, mental health problems, and my mom would probably still die. <laughs> uh, so that was the risk they were taking. The likelihood of both of us surviving was very slim. But my parents trusted and said, you know what, we're going to do this anyways. We, we want this child. 
And I'm fine. I'm here. I think. I think I'm fine. Um, I made it this far. Just turned 27. Woo. Um, and that was a huge gift. A gift I did absolutely nothing to earn. Nothing. My parents said, we're going to choose this kid. We choose to have him. We love him. And we are about him and we are for him. And I had done absolutely nothing. In fact, I had probably made their life, I know I've made their life a lot harder <laughs> over the last 27 years. And I gave them a huge risk when they entered into um, that delivery, when my mom entered into that delivery room. When I was growing up, I grew up in Toronto, Canada. I moved to Salem, Oregon um, when I was 13. I, uh, when I was 18 years old, I was talking to my best friend growing up, and I said, hey, buddy, what happened to everybody back home? And uh, we had kind of lost track, and he's like, hey, man, a couple guys went to jail. A couple guys um, are dead. You made it out. You have this incredible gift. Don't waste it. I didn't know what to do when he said that. I was like, okay, that's heavy. But as I reflect on it, I look back at my move from Toronto to Salem changed the trajectory of my life forever and, and was an incredible gift that I did absolutely nothing to earn. My parents just said, we're moving because we, we got a new job situation, so we're moving. Did nothing to earn that gift, but I've been given the chance of a second chance. That's what, that was the gift I was given. And so what am I going to do with that gift? It was a gift I didn't deserve. I was given it. I've been in a couple of romantic relationships in my life. None of them have really worked out. But each time, for the most part, the girl's forgiven me. <laughs> Which is a great gift that I definitely did not deserve. And if the good Lord so ever provides a wife for me someday, I will know the gift that it is for her to love me because I know I don't deserve that gift. Lord knows I know that. That's a gift I don't deserve. And the reason I tell you those three areas of my life is because those are the areas I've struggled with my identity the most. Being multiracial, living in Toronto, Salem, and now Seattle, in my love life. Those are the places that I've struggled with my identity the most. But those are also the places that God has revealed himself and his love to me the most in my life. The places that I've learned and seen how these gifts, this gift of life, this, this revelation of Jesus Christ being the one that God, being the way that God has said, I choose you. Those are the ways I've seen that play out the most in my life. God wants our identity be, to be found in the fact that he has chosen us. As we come off of Easter, that's the greatest gift that we could ever receive. Life in Jesus Christ. Redemption from sin. Just as God chose Abraham and Sarah, God chooses you. That's what Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is all about. That's God saying, I choose you. I love you. I'm about you. And no matter what you do, that's never going to change. Because that's my covenant to you. It's a beautiful thing. I want to finish with reading this verse. Again, Romans 3.23, but it's from the message version. And I love the way it says it. But in our time, something new has been added. With Moses and the prophets, including Abraham and, and Sarah, and all those years, uh, to all those years who has happened, 
The God setting things right that we read about has become Jesus setting things right for us. And not only for us, but for everyone who believes in him. For there's no difference between us and them. There's no difference between you and Abraham and Sarah in this. Since we've compiled this long and sorry record as sinners, both us and them, and proved that we are utterly incapable of living into the glorious lives that God wills for us, God did it for us. Out of sheer generosity, he put us in right standing with himself. A pure gift. He got us out of the mess we were in and restored us to where he always wanted us to be. He did it by means of Jesus Christ. Jesus is God's proclamation that he chooses you. It changed Abraham and Sarah's lives when they started to believe that God chose them. It changed 12 followers of Jesus Christ, their lives. It changed millions of people who believe that, that truth from those 12 followers of Jesus Christ. It changed my parents' life and changed my life by simply believing that God chose me. But don't take my word for it. I don't want you to believe because I believe. I don't want you to believe because I've seen God show up in my life in crazy ways. I want you to encounter this God for yourself. Open your Bible. Talk to someone on staff. Talk to a friend who's experienced Jesus Christ. Seek him out. Because he's seeking you out. Open your eyes and your heart to this wild and incredible story called life. If you want to talk to people after this, we're going to have people in the back. We have people that want to pray with you, and I would love to pray with you and talk with you. But know that, that the same covenant that God made with Abraham and Sarah, the way that he said, even if you mess up, I'm going to live in the mind of the deal is the same covenant that he gives us. You mess up, I'm still going to live in the mind of the deal. And that's the proclamation of Jesus Christ. It's a good word. Pray with me. Heavenly Father God, I thank you, thank you for, for your son Jesus. I thank you for the ways that you show yourself and reveal yourself to us through him. God, I pray that each person in this room, that your Holy Spirit would be upon them and they would know that they are chosen, they are loved, and that you are about them and for them. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be pleasing unto you, and uh, God, that we would know you more and more. Praise in your name, Jesus. Amen.